Hi Bloomers, it's Wendy. Welcome to another episode of Bloom with Flores. I'm truly honored to have you join us today. We've got a very special episode lined up, and it's one that delves into a topic that many find difficult to discuss, but is incredibly important. Today, I'm joined by Anika, a courageous individual who has graciously agreed to share her story with us. In this heartfelt conversation, we'll be exploring the profound and often challenging journey of coping with stillbirth. Anika's openness and strength in sharing her experiences will undoubtedly provide valuable insights and support to those who may have gone through a similar situation or want to understand more about this deeply sensitive topic. So whether you're here to seek comfort, understand, or simply to learn more, I encourage you to stay tuned. Hi, Anika. As I mentioned in my intro, I'm really honored to have you on our podcast today. I'd like to emphasize that this is a safe space for our discussion, and we're here to honor your Hayden and discuss your experience with stillbirth. Feel free to introduce yourself to our audience and maybe provide a little bit of background on the motivation to openly discussing your story today. Hi, Wendy. Thanks so much for having me today. Um, Yeah, so my son was stillborn on June 26th, uh, 2021. And one of the main reasons why um, I was so interested in joining you today was um, to really just talk about what stillbirth is and how it impacts moms and dads, future siblings, friends and families, um, and what that experience is like overall, because I think, and what I learned is that in our society, it's not something that's often spoken about. Um, and there's a lot of miseducation around it, um, specifically like sometimes confusion between a miscarriage versus a stillbirth. Um, and, and yeah, a lot of people just don't know, they don't know what to say because they've never heard about it or they think it's a touchy subject so they don't want to bring it up so yeah I'm hoping today by the end of this discussion I can um, shed a little bit of light on all of that. Um, Can you take us back to the very beginning uh, and how you found out you were pregnant? Yeah so it was December 2020 um so COVID year <laughs> to add to it um and COVID baby <laughs> yeah sort of COVID baby um yeah we had been trying for a bit to expand our family um and it wasn't really happening that fast which you know everyone was like oh it's okay just keep waiting um we did kind of look into the possibility of maybe um going down the path of like possibly seen okay is there any issues is there a reason why um but I don't know in the medical community it's very big on oh you gotta wait a year like that's just their gold standard Mm. um and so I guess we were kind of approaching that year mark and um it was uh yeah December 20th so it was four days before Christmas um Mm. and then yeah and then I found out I was pregnant I was very surprised in a good way um And it was just like the best feeling because we felt like we had been waiting for this for so long and we had been trying. And I think most people just love Christmas and the season of Christmas and the hope and the joy that it brings. So it was just so aligned with that as well. Um, And and yeah, we were ready to like 
surprise our parents on Christmas day and, and do all that, um, cute stuff that, you know, we always wanted to do in our hearts and we were blessed to be given that opportunity, um, to actually do it. But yeah, it was pretty much Christmas 2020. And we felt like with COVID and it being such a tough year Mm -hmm. that it was just such a nice way to end the year off. Yeah. I'm sure there was a lot of prepping and maybe gender reveal and and that kind of stuff. Do you want to share some of that with us? So gender reveal, I'll start there. So what we did was April 2021. um, We because of COVID, we didn't have like a big party because 2021, there was still um, restrictions and limitations on crowds. So what we did instead was just with our immediate family. um, And I have two nephews and my husband has a nephew as well. So we did like a easter egg hunt for the kids and then um inside of the plastic egg was either a blue chocolate or a pink chocolate depending on the gender Mm -hmm. so i had entrusted one of our friends um with the results and so he put together the eggs for us and then gave it to us before easter so we can do the egg hunt and then a, a bonus part to that is that um We chose to, because we had a lot of friends and family that, because they couldn't physically be there with us, but they still wanted to participate. So we decided to have like a gender 50-50 draw charity type thing. Um, So you either bought tickets for a boy or a girl, and then depending on what it was, everybody um, got put into a hat. And then the money we raised was donated to Sunnybrook's NICU, um, which is where one of my cousins... um, they had a premature baby born there um and so it was just a really even though it wasn't my child it was a very um we hold that hospital and their NICU to a really high standard and we were very appreciative for everything that they did um for my cousin's son so it was just a no-brainer that we wanted to kind of connect the two so um yeah we did a special gender reveal and the charity draw and then um that's how everybody found out we were having a boy it was a very happy time for you and your husband, yeah. um, whom I've known for a very long time. Um, can you share the details of what happened the day of your appointment? I just went into the clinic for a routine um, checkup. So at this point, I was um, 32 weeks pregnant, which is seven and a half months. Um, And then at the clinic, I guess after a certain week of gestation, um, they just start using the Doppler to just um, hear the heartbeat. And so um, they were struggling to find the heartbeat and... um, I honestly, I wasn't worried because I just thought, oh, it's just the machine, right? Right. Um, And then they were really trying and then... um she had to bring somebody else in and then they were trying and then they said okay they were going to try in a different machine um and then that's when I started to like worry because the second machine um which is supposed to be more sensitive um couldn't find the heartbeat either so at that point their protocol is you have to go to the hospital and so the hospital that um I was scheduled to deliver with for my son was Markham Stouffville. So, um, yeah, so right away I called my husband who was at work and, um, I said, okay, like this is what they're saying. Um, and so he dropped what he was doing and he came to pick me up and, um, yeah, we drove straight to the hospital and then, um, we went there and they put us in a room and, we had to wait a while because they're waiting for an OB to come in um, 
with like a bedside ultrasound um and so they yeah I would say maybe we were waiting in that room for like over an hour at least right and they kept apologizing um but again I wasn't even I was like no there there must be like there must be you're still very optimistic yeah right and um and then yeah the OB came in and then she brought the bedside ultrasound and then um and then yeah she just she said like I'm sorry, there's, there's no heartbeat. Right. And so we were just both me and my husband were just lost for words. And then more so, and it it was really nice of her. She was trying to be so respectful, but also cause she could, I guess it, sadly, it's probably not her first time she's had to do this. So, um, she was trying to explain to us that there's other signs like she could see in, the ultrasound to like for example the um the water in the sack she's like it was very low yeah Mm -hmm. so she's like those are additional signs that like the baby has demised um you know because we could just be like oh maybe you're not seeing the heartbeat Mm -hmm. right but she was trying to tell us like trust me like this is not like I'm not making this up right and so um at that point they they right away they just said okay we're gonna leave the room and we're gonna give you guys some time and then we'll come back in a bit and we'll go over like what the the plan is after that fact so so what were some of the emotions that you were going through at the time I know you were Um, like just it's like it's complete disbelief and Mm -hmm. obviously sadness right so you're just like what like how can that be how could that happen um I know for me personally before my experience I had heard of stillbirth but again because I wasn't educated I I don't know why I was under the impression that it would happen um either during the birthing process right so like while you're delivering maybe something happens to the baby or you would have like some sort of symptom or like a risk factor Mm -hmm. um you would be considered a high risk patient for this and so there would be some sort of warning like i don't know if that's the right word there was nothing it was just there's no heartbeat i'm sorry he's gone and um previous to that the baby had been very active yeah according to like our our standard medical care like what they offer for pregnant women he checked off all those items right Mm -hmm. all the ultrasounds and everything so there was no reason for them to have any uh concern for me um and and yeah we were just so so sad and so numb like just so yeah it was it was really tough did you find solace in each other um for sure Mm -hmm. like in that moment yeah for sure there was no like anger or resentment towards Mm. each other but it was just it was just like indescribable like sadness you just couldn't like you there was no like emotions you're just numb like you were sad and you were numb (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so now you're at the hospital Mm -hmm. okay and and now um the doctors have come in yeah um what did they say to you at that moment? I know everything yeah. at the hospital is like a process and mm-hmm. procedure. Yeah. Walk us through that. 
Yeah. So basically um, what they said afterwards is um, the next step is labor and delivery. Right. Um, Which I was terrified to hear. And in theory, you know, I guess now looking back, it's like, well, of course, like the baby has to come out. Right. But you don't ever think at least I never thought of my first experience with labor and delivery to be like essentially a dead baby, right? right? So that was, I don't know if terrifying's the word. It's just, it's sickening. You're just mm-hmm. like, I can't believe, I can't believe you can't anyone guess. has to go through that, right? Like I, I, I couldn't understand that. But basically, yeah, they were, they had to walk us through labor and delivery. And basically, um, they, they said we can, we, we had time to go home and come back in the morning, um, because they didn't see any signs that would risk. Um, cause at that point, once the baby has passed away, there is a risk to the mom, um, with toxicity and that type of stuff, but, and they didn't see any immediate concern. And so they said, if you want to take a few like hours in the night and come back first thing in the morning, that's fine. And especially because we had a dog, we wanted to get back so we could make arrangements for her. Like we didn't have any idea that this would happen. Right. Um, and so, yeah, there's really no time to like, I don't think anybody could prepare. It's just, yeah, you're, you're just thrown right in right away. It's just mm. go home, pack a bag and come back in the morning. And so, yeah, we came home and then we just had to like call our parents and um, like our close friends and let them know. And, um, and yeah, that night I don't like sleeping was non-existent. Mm. It was just like torture. Right. Cause mm. you knew, you knew what the morning had to bring and I vividly remember that morning before we went to the hospital. Um, I just went to Starbucks. I don't even know why, just to get like an iced tea. I think I drank like two sips of it. But when I went in, the barista so innocently was like, have a great day, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, no, it's it's not going to be a great day, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you wait till the next morning. Um, you and Harim get ready mm-hmm. to go to the hospital. I'm sure it must have been, it felt like a long drive to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to the hospital and again, you have to go through a process and procedure. Walk us through that. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was interesting because, um, th- so the first thing is when you are scheduled, when they know there's a patient coming in for a stillbirth, um, um, most hospitals in Canada, what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to have your room just, um, like as private as possible away from any active, like labor and deliveries, um, with live births, um, just out of respect for the parents. And, um, you're also supposed to put, um, like a picture on the door. So it could be a picture of one of, I don't know, three or four things. Um, And so in our case, it was a lamb. (laughs) And what it does is it just um, signals to any nurse or doctor entering the room or walking by to understand that like a baby has passed away there. So you just have to be really respectful if you are in the room or walking by the room. So yeah, they walked us to this 
room all the way at the back (laughs) away from everybody else it had like double doors pretty Mm -hmm. much so you walked in one door it closed and then another door so it was really really private um and then again just a lot of waiting um because the ob on call had to come and then basically they had to like start inducing labor so um because it was my first pregnancy and first labor and delivery and because I was only 32 weeks physically like your body's not anticipating delivery Mm -hmm. so even for an induction um they can't I guess the common thing is um like is it oxytocin that they administer Yeah. yeah so they can't give that right away until you're a certain amount of you're certain dilated yeah Mm. so they had to administer um it was a different medication um that's supposed to help your body dilate right because you're Um, not in delivery exactly and so they check right because they're like we're probably we already know you're probably not dilated but we'll just check Mm -hmm. and so the ob's like yeah you're completely not (laughs) dilated Mm -hmm. so um I don't know why, but it's not something they can administer through the IV. So it has mm. to, it's like a suppository sort of thing, oh, okay. vaginally. So the, one of the nurses comes every few hours um, and would just administer it for me. And then, um, yeah, and then we just didn't know how long it was going to take because it had to go to a certain amount before they can administer the oxytocin. Okay. So um, you gave birth. Mm-hmm. And did you have time with your baby? Did you hold your your baby? Yeah. So originally when we... So what happened was the whole labor and delivery process was about two and a half days because the first um, two days, pretty much, it was taking so long. Mm-hmm. And then by the time they did finally administer the oxytocin, um, they thought, oh, it'll probably take a little longer. Um, No, he showed up in like 45 minutes of administering that. So I didn't even have time for an epidural because it just progressed so quickly. Um, And because he had already demised. um, And I understand the doctors, they have to, like medically, they have to explain everything, right? right? But it's also like scary for us because we didn't know what to expect or who like what is he going to look like right um and so basically they had warned us that there there could be um like when the baby because when they lose the amniotic fluid and all that Mm -hmm. stuff they start to change so i think that's why i i didn't know i didn't know what i wanted to do because And how could you, until you go through that, like how could you preemptively make those decisions? And the nurses are so respectful because I think that often happens where people don't know if they want to. So what they do is they, um, after the, like in our case, when our son was born or when any baby's still born, they, they take him or her and they weigh him. And there is like a little cot in the room and they wrap him and they leave him there. And then when you're ready, you can ask like to hold him. So in our case, because I was still like on the bed, um, my husband's the one that went over and looked because I didn't, I, I didn't know yet, right, what I wanted or exactly. Mm-hmm. And so he looked, and then he was like, "Oh, he's so cute." So then I was like, "Oh, is he?" So then I told 
our like nurse I'm like okay like when you're ready like I'd like to see him and hold him right but again because he was um he was so even though he was born at 32 weeks he had been demising before but we just didn't know Mm -hmm. so he was also on the smaller side so they um they'd like double wrapped him just to give him more body like for us to be able to hold him um but yeah we did hold him and we got to um spend some time with him we each took a picture with him and we took pictures of him and they don't rush you at all they're like you can spend as much time as you want um but after a few hours it's kind of I don't know for us personally it, it was just like okay we're we're ready to leave like right. we we need to just for like our sanity just right. leave this room um and so yeah and it's weird because you you leave without your child right. right you um and there's all this paperwork for um like cremation and funeral whatever you choose so you have to make sure that's all done um and then the biggest thing is with like stillbirth and what all moms who have experienced it say is that you leave with a box not a child they have these like pre-made little um memory boxes Mm -hmm. so they give you footprints of the baby Mm -hmm. and um little like a little hat and stuff that they dress them up in but they let you keep it um usually it's what's been donated from previous patients or donors of the hospital um but yeah it's it's just it's very different right because you go through all the motions of delivering but then the end result is just completely different so did you stay at the hospital um the night and or did you come home immediately yeah so in my case because um i didn't have any complications with the delivery um I was able to go home pretty much right away. They're like, if you're ready to go, you can go. And so I think he was he was delivered at, let's say like 12, 15 p.m. around that time. And I think by the time we got into the car to go home, it was about like 6.30 at night. So like it felt longer, but I guess it, it all moved pretty quickly. Pretty yeah. Good. So you mentioned the healthcare team um, and how good they were. Mm-hmm. Um what were some of the good memories that you have maybe an experience you had with a nurse or the doctor that made this kind of a lot less heavy for you and yeah uh they were just all so um so empathetic and so kind with how they were explaining everything and um and always ask, telling us, like, if you need time, it's not a rush, like even with certain paperwork and things um they yeah they were they were all really really great and even the nurses um they would some of them would like come and just sit and talk with us right for like an hour um anything just to like get our minds off of it for a little bit um and it didn't always have to be like a heavy conversation even if we were just talking about like like a show or a sitcom or something that we liked um yeah, they were all just really, really kind. Like I didn't find anybody insensitive mm-hmm. or rushing us, um, at least in our situation. I think other people may have had experiences like that, but we we didn't, thankfully. And how did you say your farewells to Hayden? Um, was it at the hospital? Yeah, no, at the hospital. We just, uh, yeah, he's just in his little cot, right? So um, you just kind of, 
give him a hug and a kiss and you say bye. Um, but it's weird because you don't like, I think most people with like, especially with living children, it kind of doesn't ever feel natural until maybe a few weeks in or a few months in. And this is like, you've only been given a few hours and already the situation is so different Mm -hmm. because the child's not living. Right. So it's like, you're saying goodbye to somebody before you even really got to know them. And it's just, it's a, it's a weird disconnect. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, it's your child, but then also like for your mental health, you're trying to, um, kind of cope and Mm -hmm. like make some sort of separation to like, okay, maybe this will make me feel better. Right. Mm Um, but yeah I, I i don't know it's 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 a very strange thing to Feeling. describe mm-hmm. yeah and i always even to this day say like even um the way they asked us for like for naming him you don't feel like you're naming a child it's basically more for legal documents for the funeral home and so even that process for the longest time we didn't realize like we knew his name was Hayden like because in our in my husband's side of the family they have a generational tradition um where the first name of the males is Joseph right Mm -hmm. so even that like on his urn and stuff it says Joseph which is not wrong that that's his first name but the way you fill out the forms it's like you don't realize you're naming a child like your child it it seems more administrative like okay we have to just document that yeah that like human remains are passing through right so even in ontario it's strange so you don't get a birth certificate i know some countries for stillbirths you do but in canada you don't but you do get a death certificate from the funeral home again just for legal reasons to show that they touched like human remains i think they have to show some sort of record yeah Mm -hmm. but it's like in no other instance when would that happen where you get a death certificate but not Mm -hmm. a birth certificate so that is really confusing yeah like when you're already grieving and you're going through all the emotions um, now we can really like reflect on it and we know better but in that moment it was very confusing it's we didn't, new. yeah mm-hmm. we didn't we didn't really understand what we were doing um so so yeah. you touched on the grieving mm-hmm. um how did you give your permission to yourself to grieve when you're dealing with the outside world um so i think so the first thing is, so I, I did take maternity leave. So when you have um, a stillbirth, you are legally entitled to the the first portion, which is the 15 weeks maternity, which is what the government and most companies give. Okay. And then extended is the parental. So you're actually, you're not given the parental portion with the stillbirth, but you are entitled to the maternal portion. So that was a no brainer that I was going to take, um, at least the full 15 weeks so that I could start to figure out like how I feel and how life's going to be. Um, so that helped for, for the most immediate part and at least you don't have to worry about going to work and that sort of stuff, even though there is 
still a little bit of administration where you have to like contact service Canada and then because the way my maternity leave was supposed to be it was supposed to be in August of that year and then he was born end of June so everything had to be kind of pushed up right Mm -hmm. so um so yeah I just I just definitely took the time to Mm -hmm. myself and my husband took some time off work too um and we just were home with Mm -hmm. our dog I tried to like get to things around the house that we haven't had time to do um and I don't know there was nothing concrete that I said oh I'm gonna do this this is gonna help me because I didn't know what ended up ultimately helping me the most um looking back is actually connecting with other lost moms um mostly through social media I just started to find these accounts where um they most of them were started by moms who had had stillbirths whether it be their first second or third child and um it was just this community and then when you found one you found the other and you found the other and so I felt I felt heard and seen once I found those accounts and just things they would post it was like oh my gosh that's exactly how I feel without saying those words so reaching out to those women and having conversations that definitely did um help me with with grieving and Mm -hmm. healing in that regard um but I also did ultimately, so I did go back to work after um, the 15 weeks and it was fine for a few months, but then because I didn't do any formal um, counseling or therapy, even though it was recommended of me mm-hmm. to do it, I just, mm-hmm. I didn't think about doing it at the time. I think all those feelings caught up to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after a few months, I I did end up taking some time off work um, just because I felt like I needed to to dive deeper into it and I needed to come to terms with everything and actually do some therapy and some counseling. Um, so that definitely helped a ton, but I think everybody has to come to that like decision on your own time. And so for me, it just took a little bit longer, thankfully not too long because I think that's could be dangerous if you wait too long. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was a combination of just these other incredible moms that I met through social media and then counseling and then yeah, like our closest family and friends and each other. Like if I if I had to go through this with any other partner, I don't I don't know how it would be, but I was lucky that my current partner just we could talk Great about support. anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't like I had to hide my feelings or anything. So in the aftermath, uh, did you encounter any misconceptions or misunderstandings from others about stillbirth that you wish people were more aware of? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I didn't realize, I I didn't realize why certain things were bothering me until, and that's why these other lost moms that I connected with helped me so much to like navigate my feelings because there were certain things and people that were starting to rub me the wrong way and I didn't know why because these were all like normally people that I love and I get along with great um but I couldn't and I know they're great people but I couldn't understand like why is it rubbing me the wrong way why are they bothering me um and that's when I realized it's because yeah there is a lot of misconceptions and misunderstandings out there so I think the biggest one (laughs) is that people just don't want to talk about it so when I say that 
obviously I don't expect anybody to walk up to me and ask me details of like, oh, so I heard your son was stillborn, all that stuff. But just the simple acknowledgement of, hey, you had a kid he passed away, I'm really sorry, right? Even mm. if you don't know what to say past that, just a simple condolence was like, it, it meant the world to us. Yes. Um, because there were people who, with like any pregnancy where everyone was like, oh, congratulations, we're so happy for you guys. And then after our son passed away, they just never really reached out mm. uh, for their own reasons. Um, and not that they were doing it maliciously, but they thought, like, I know, for example, some people thought, oh, we don't want to bring it up. Like, we don't want to make you sad, right? Or uncomfortable. But, exactly. Or... But it's like, well, when you lose a child or anybody, really, a parent, a grandparent, um, you're not going to make somebody more sadder than they already are, right? If anything, it's, it's just a reminder that that person, like, existed and you're validating, especially when it comes to children. And so in our case, prior to our son, we didn't have any living children, right? So that's the other misconception was that, oh, well, if you don't have a physical child living at home, then you're not a parent, mm -hmm. right? You're not a mom. You're not a dad, right? When really, no, we are parents. We're just now in this different category of parents where our child has passed away, right? Um, so I think those were the two biggest misconceptions was that people didn't want to acknowledge us as parents. They, they thought they would upset us by bringing up anything about our son. Um, and, and I think too, I think I could be wrong, but what I started to notice mostly amongst, um, women and other moms is that I think in North America, the most common form of baby loss um, is a miscarriage. And normally that happens prior to 12 weeks right. when most people have chosen to keep the pregnancy private. They haven't shared. So it's usually just them and their partner, maybe a couple family members. So nobody even knows, right? Um, and so they keep it quiet regardless because nobody knows. Some people for sure they share and mm. they have every right to if they want to be open about it. But typically most women don't. Mm. And I found I was getting grouped into that category of a miscarriage versus a stillbirth. And I haven't met any mom who's had a stillbirth that doesn't want their child spoken about or acknowledged. Mm. I've met women who have had miscarriages where it's it's split. So some women... They don't want to talk about it, um, which is totally fine. It's everybody's decision. And then there are some women who do want to talk about it and who acknowledge their babies and they say, oh, my angel baby one or two or whatever. They they give it a name or a term and that's fine too. Mm -hmm. But I find most of the time it's not consistent when it comes to miscarriages and how women um, and fathers choose to talk about it moving forward. But with stillbirths, I can say this whole like 100% I haven't met anybody who has never ever acknowledged that they had a child and they were stillborn. They always want their child to be remembered and to mm -hmm. be acknowledged. So that would be <laughs> the number three like biggest conception misconception sorry that I I've experienced. And what's your perspective on life now? Like I know things yeah. have changed. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and we'll, we'll get into now the dynamic of your family yeah. and what it looks like now. Yeah. But, um, you know, when it was happening mm-hmm. at the time, what what was your perspective? Were yeah. you ever like angry or I'm sure? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. You're like, you're so angry. And especially um, like you just see women and parents who... Um, who mistreat their bodies uh, like so harshly and who don't take care of themselves and um, they just have babies, no problem, right? They don't have yeah. any issues. Um, and so, yeah, you feel a lot of resentment because you're like, well, why do they get to have their kids and how come I don't get to have mine? Um, and I think too, it just, it yeah, it just reframes your whole the way your mind is wired because you look at life so differently you know that like anything can be taken from you in an instant and also there's just more important things at hand you can't fuss about Mm -hmm. like the little things anymore um but you're also really at least I became really protective with my space and who I let back into that space um because sometimes there was this assumption that if you were close to me before I lost my son then automatically you're close to me after but to me um, I was a completely different person and so all of my relationships had to be rebuilt essentially like it was almost like if you wanted to be part of this sacred space and this life now um you have to kind of show me why right like why are you worthy to be a part of it because I just I felt like not everybody was deserving to have access to us anymore um and to like the memory of our son and it it just yeah it completely shifted the way we looked at relationships and the world just overall so your relationships were impacted. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how can we as a society create a more supportive environment for individuals and families de- dealing with stillbirth? And what changes, if any, would you like to see? Yeah, I mean, my biggest thing, which I don't think people necessarily have control over I think there's a huge gap in our medical system. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So anybody who's gone through a pregnancy would know or remember that um, after your 20-week anatomy scan, you're usually not given another ultrasound unless you're high risk or there's like a reason for concern. And usually after 20 weeks is when stillbirths happen. Like that is what defines a stillbirth when you're after 20 weeks. So... To me, it's like, why can't we increase the monitoring for every, every, every pregnant person should be treated as high risk, right? Because why do you wait till something bad happens to then say, oh, next time we're going to monitor you more closely, right? It can, it can happen to anybody. So why not just give every mom that extra monitoring, right? Mm -hmm. So I think after, is it 20 weeks that you are seeing your OB more frequently? You are, yeah. Mm -hmm. But they wouldn't be able to, um, like I think when you see your OB, they would just be doing like cervical checks or um, just basing on your symptoms. You're not actually getting 
ultrasounds right. and more specifically detailed ultrasounds that are showing like blood flow to the placenta and like okay how big is the baby in relation to the placenta like it gets very detailed and it's very simple signs that can be a red flag before things demise to just say like right. hey this could be a risk factor we need to keep an eye on things um so yeah i would say in a perfect world i would love for the medical system to just be improved so that there's just a little bit more monitoring after 20 weeks um and then I think if that could happen, then it would just inevitably become more discussed right. because otherwise it's just this thing where, so what I also have found is that a lot of women, they end up having their baby and they wouldn't have even known there could have been a risk because nobody was checking, right? In that sense, it is kind of just luck of the draw mm -hmm. that things just worked out and their baby was born, right? Mm -hmm. Versus like if you were monitoring them, you might be more educated to know that actually I this was happening with my baby right. or that was happening. So then I think once we as women realize like, hey, it's actually pretty like it can be complex for a lot of people not just like one or two then it becomes just more of a of a common conversation right that people are more open to talking about um but i think i, I don't know it's hard to say like with with friends and family and just the general public i think i think the one thing is if if you ever think about stillbirth or you know somebody that's had a stillbirth, I would just say relate it as if it was like their grandma or grandpa who passed away or their pet, right? Yes. You would never not acknowledge that. You would you would say something to them to give your condolences. Um, and more so like even in our extended family who we've had friends whose parents have passed away or grandparents and sometimes at the dinner table we'll reminisce on a memory of mm -hmm. those people right so it's the same way where it's it's anybody it's like anybody who's passed away if you can feel okay talking about somebody's grandparent or parent or sibling um, or reminiscing on a memory, it's it's no different to like a parent who's lost a child. That's how they feel about their child too. But I understand it's, it's different in the sense because the parents, like we are the only ones who met our son. Nobody else met him. So in terms of reminiscing on memories and things like that, it's a little different. But just the simple act of like, hey I saw this today and it made me think of An your acknowledgement. son yeah yeah even though I never met him or I'm like, thinking of you right? exactly yeah. yeah exactly just any form of acknowledgement to keep their memory alive because at the end of the day you want to feel that they mattered right and especially for us like I can't speak for other parents but when it's your first child and your first pregnancy um you never want to feel like it didn't matter right or that it was like all for nothing you you want to mm -hmm. make sure that hey no like he matters and he's remembered and I know you didn't meet him but and I and I've even had like friends who have asked like oh you know um do you like do you have pictures of him like would you be willing to share and those are actually great questions mm -hmm. but we're not ready yet but I think it was it was so nice that people have asked, right? And and if they continue to ask, that's great too. Like I would say, if you ever want to, don't be afraid to. Yeah. Um, 
and just respect whatever the parent's decision is, right? Whether they say yes or no. Um, but yeah, even just little things like that. Even there, like for us, I love like his birthday, right? Like, like we have friends with lots of kids and we try for the most part to remember all their birthdays. Yeah. Um, and so when and anybody can remember his birthday, like it makes us really happy, right? Yes. That somebody, especially a parent who has a kid or kids, that they would remember his birthday. That's like, well, any parent would want of that, course. right? Of course. You mentioned that there's support groups on Facebook that you are part of. Was there anything else, any resources that you found helpful? There is. So in I know Sunnybrook offers um, like a weekly online support group um, mm-hmm. where it's different types of lost parents um and you can join like virtually and they offer counseling um and so that's really great that we have access to that um i didn't go down that route i just went with a private like therapist just because i'm lucky like we have benefits at work and stuff but if you didn't it's all free resources um but it's hard to say too because everybody's like journey could be so different so for me I, I just feel like, yeah, definitely social media, like I have a love hate relationship with it. But when it came to like these lost moms, like, and they're all over the world. Like there's one in Australia, there's, there's a few in the States, there's some in Canada, there's one in Bowmanville. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just crazy how you could be so far away from people, but then have so much in common. It's so close. Yeah. Yeah. So Tell me, what does your family look like now? Mm-hmm. So now we have um, a living child. So we have our daughter, Harper, who is seven months old. Congratulations. And, <laughs> thank you. Um, and yeah, and that's that's the other thing too. We always like have to, it's, it's interesting because it's, it's been great having her, but now we're part of this different category of parenting where you have a living child and a child, a sibling for her that's passed away, right? Yes. Um, and because she's our only living child, we always get asked the question, is she your only one? Mm-hmm. It, like, do you have any more kids? And so usually, like, I answer the question honestly, and I'll just say, no, we have you know, we actually had a son and he was still born, um, in 2021. And it's always interesting people's responses. Yeah. There's some people who will, um, say, Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Um, I had one lady actually ask me what was his name and that just like made me so happy. Um, but then some people just give you like the awkward, like, Oh, okay. Like, and then right away just want to change the conversation Mm. it's it can actually like if you can find humor in it it's pretty funny like some people because they get so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. what their mind (laughs) goes to like I had one person once I when I told him that he was like oh well I actually just had a son he's three months old and in my head I'm thinking that's really not the most like sensitive thing to say but I was okay like I didn't take it the wrong way I know it's human nature like he was clearly uncomfortable and I said I lost a son and he just had a son so he just jumped to that topic but um but yeah so it's 
it's different because even that like we're so happy and people are obviously so happy for us but it comes with its own Mm -hmm. um challenges and it's still very different for us because she'll always be a younger sibling but her older brother's not here and so for people who just see her on the street they just think she's an only Only child, child right um and also trying to balance like when it comes to her birthdays and special milestones like we never want to forget Hayden but we never want to take away from her occasions and so just making sure that she could be her own person as she grows up and that we're not like overshadowing anything of hers that oh you know because we lost your brother like we I mean we'll have to navigate that once it comes to that you will be speaking to her about her brother oh yeah definitely one of her like storybooks in her book collection is uh, my brother lives in heaven which was written by a mom whose son was stillborn and oh yeah we'll we'll tell her all about him um but for now yeah these are just things we want to do as parents for her as like as she grows up um we're already starting to think about how we're gonna handle those conversations and make sure that her birthdays and her special events are just for her right yeah Okay, well, Anika, thank you for your bravery today. It's individuals like you who remind us of the power of authenticity and the importance of embracing our true selves. It's stories like these that give names to the nameless, faces to the faceless, and voices to the silent. And his name was? Hayden. Thank you. Thank you. As we come to the end of today's episode... I want to express my heartfelt gratitude to Anika, who courageously shared her journey through stillbirth. Opening up about such a deeply personal experience is truly significant, highlighting the comfort and solidarity these conversations bring to those treading similar paths. Anika, your bravery is a beacon of strength, and we appreciate you. We'd love to hear your stories. Feel free to share your personal journeys in the comments or via our social media channel. Your stories inspire us and help us grow together as a community of bloomers. Stay tuned for more content and until next time, keep blooming.